Would there be a faster way to destroy your own church than trying to implement assigned seating that you have developed? I, I doubt it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be the thing. That would do it. Pastor Rich. Yes, sir. Casey is away, and when Casey is away, the bros will play. Bro out. <laughs> this, is, this is our bro out episode. <laughs> um, right out of the gate, we have some pastor hypotheticals that we need to drop on an actual pastor. Okay. And... Here you are, Pastor Rich. You didn't know what you were walking into when you agreed to come back on the show. I've but been, it's too late to back out now. I've been training my whole life for this. I mean, <laughs> for such a time as this. <laughs> Pastor Rich, if you could assign seating in your church to the members, would you? And what would it look like? Is that contrary to the seating they've already assigned themselves? Yes, you have to. You you. I have to you decide where them. everyone sits. What would that look like? Uh, I mean, a, a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Just be even, even more more grumbling. Uh, I don't know. We at our in our building we have um, apparently they everybody claims there's a hot side and a cold side. Um, ah. We have like an old kind of cathedral, and uh, all the. The heating and cooling units are on one side of the room and depending on the season. So people tend to kind of migrate. Uh, but I would I would like to to place maybe certain people in the uncomfortable side. <laughs> where, are you, where are you going with the youth? Are you giving the youth the benefit of the back rows? Or are you are you putting them front and center? It's that's always a fun thing because they like I've been in churches where the youth front and center is is where they they choose to be where they naturally migrate and then other churches where the back row is definitely. Um, and so I think I just, I would stick them in the middle uh, j- just, just to mess with them. Like they don't know. <laughs> like just right, right smack dab, like in the heart and like split, not, not all in one pew as is the norm, but like half on one side and half on the other. Would there be a faster way to destroy your own church than trying to implement assigned seating that you have developed. I, I doubt it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be the thing. That would do it. <laughs> How many people would just turn around and walk out and not even sit down? <laughs> We're saying like twenty percent of the members would be like, no, not playing this. I that's I, I wish you were wrong, but yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I would do if I would walk if I walked into church and one of the ushers was like, "No, the pastor has assigned the seating, and this is where you're going to sit." If it was not in my customary back row behind the support column, I, I think I would just turn around and walk out. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was one Sunday we did a baptism, and there was like somebody knew they were going to have a bunch of family in town, and so uh-huh. they requested that we like rope off some pews. Uh, <laughs> And I knew, I mean, I was like, this is not going to go well, but I was trying to <laughs> honor the family's request. And I mean, yeah, automatically, just because you couldn't sit somewhere that you typically sit. 
<laughs> people were like didn't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> Some other options. Uh, and what, what makes that worse is that you're, you're kind of a youngish guy, too. So you don't even have like the benefit of of, of age on your side, right? Yeah. If, you, if you're old, yeah, people can't really <laughs> argue. That's that's been my thing all along. I, I can't wait to get old because then it's like, oh well, you know, he's. He's about to die. Yeah. Just, just give, give him this. He, he ain't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so horrible. <laughs> All right, Pastor Rich. If you could read the notes that every person scribbled during your sermon, mm-hmm. would you read would you read them? So my my wife diligently takes notes every week. Um that are primarily criticisms and those are the only notes that I ever get to read. Uh, So if, if everybody else's are, are similar to hers, I don't know that I could, I could bear it. (laughs) Um, But there is, I mean, like there's definitely, there's a guy in our church that um, people that sit around him or beside him are like, he's writing a novel every time, every Sunday. I don't know what he's writing. So I'm curious about that. If it's like actual, like nuggets that he's gleaning or some kind of manifesto that he's writing or like what, what's going on there. Uh, what, what so you, do you take sermon notes, you, Matthew? No, no. So you're saying, <laughs> so you're saying you would read them. I'm saying maybe selectively, like I would like to have the, just the option. Like I'd like a, like if we could photocopy everybody's notes on the way out and then just like from week to week, depending on how I'm feeling, if I could just pull out like one or two and, and check it out, just get, just get a pulse, you know, <laughs> I've been married for, uh, 15 years. And so I've been with my wife during a lot of sermons and I can kind of tell how the sermon is going based on the notes she takes. She takes pretty detailed notes. I'm not a note taker mm-hmm. in sermon. And, uh, like she'll usually start out, uh, you know, copying things verbatim, underlining things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, circling things on the handout if there's a handout. <laughs> and then sometimes, like through the course of our marriage, I can look over and uh, like I can see her like beginning to doodle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> they've lost her. <laughs> well, and honestly, that's something I would like to implement is like a, a sermon doodle contest. Like, because you know everybody's doing it anyway. And so... Yeah. I mean that most of the notes that I have just kind of glimpsed at like there's there's a picture in there and so just embrace it and like all right you're all doodling anyway so let's see who's the best at it. When I was a kid uh, growing up in the Assemblies of God Church in my hometown, uh, there was a kid that would draw pictures in the back row. His name was Aaron, and uh, one time I sat with him. And during the sermon on Sunday night, he drew a picture of a woman whose bosoms were literally exploding out of her shirt, like, like torpedoes that had been fired, leaving her, her shirt in tatters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as as someone who had only limited access to the public library, national geographic videos, um, this was, this was like the template of what what a woman's body looked like for, mm-hmm. for a while for me. So I was, I was somewhat surprised on my wedding night to find out. No, that's not actually what women look like. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't judge that just based on the other women around. The room. 
like, no, this drawing that this <laughs> 12-year-old boy has made is the standard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, literal explosions. Yeah. Is, uh, is, uh, I mean, you kind of had to have a, give it to him for creativity. If, I, I think if you... If you were to somehow project the id of like a 10-year-old boy in church, that would be exactly what it looked like. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, Matthew, is that I, as, as you're saying it, you don't have to like go into more graphic detail because I, I think myself and most of our listeners included have a <laughs> pretty clear representation uh, of their own childhood, right? <laughs> and the repression. It's fun. The, the repression. Yeah. Uh, now, I remember like in my in my more spiritual uh, like a, as a teenager um, a- after the exploding bosom stage, I <laughs> I try I thought it was like more spiritual. So I, I like my my goal was I was trying to like illustrate the sermon like that was my like I, I was going to draw a picture anyway. So I was like <laughs> I would draw out like graphic crucifixions like that was um, <laughs> Was this during an emo stage? Yeah, I mean, it was very angsty as well. But I, I thought it was it was super deep. Uh, and there, there's a collection of of sermon or of uh, bulletin drawings that. All right, so now I'm I'm thinking you're you're a little bit younger than I am. I'm trying to think of what CCM band was Young Rich listening to in this emo illustration phase. I'll, I'll give you one guess. <laughs> was it POD? <laughs> No, that uh, no, it, that that was earlier. I think. Uh, I mean, I think it was Reliant K would would have been. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. <laughs> okay. The height of pseudo. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, oh, we were all there. We were all there. All right. Next. Yeah. Pastor hypothetical. Okay. If you had to. Choose this is a, this is a would you rather mm-hmm. would you rather have your personal text messages printed in the church bulletin every week, mm-hmm. or you have to announce in the sermon how many times you had sex that week? <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> you just had to work it in somehow <laughs> of how many times. <laughs> Like, do I have or, to announce, like, this is the number, like, there's a preface to it, or it's just I need to, like, put the number zero in there somewhere? No, you have to make it clear that this is how many times you've had sex. <laughs> now, you can just announce it straight up, or you can somehow work it into the sermon somehow, if you're that if you're that coy and clever. Yeah. Um, probably, I mean, just as for me, it would, it would be that there's way less of a gamble with printing my personal text messages, um, because about 90% of them are just the, the thumbs up emoji. Okay. Um, that's how I respond to most texts. But so it would just be like four pages of, of thumbs up. Somehow that makes it even better. Yeah. Just like the back side of the bulletin is nothing but <laughs> time stamped thumbs <laughs> thumb emojis. Yeah. Some a few a couple of thumbs down. Sometimes I switch the races on the what what type of thumb it is, but uh, you know. How how very woke of you. Yeah. Right. Keep it keep it multicultural. <laughs> okay. All right. This is another would you rather. Mm-hmm. Would <laughs> 
<laughs> Would you rather preach while wearing a track suit mm-hmm. or preach your whole sermon with a cowboy voice? <laughs> So that's a, I mean, the, the, the gut reaction is tracksuit is, I mean, that's comfortable. Why not? Uh, We're talking like Kill Bill striped tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is there any other kind? Uh, <laughs> no, I guess not. I would like, or I'm thinking of the the little, the, the boys from the Royal Tenenbaums. Like yes. the whole family. Oh, yeah. nice reference. Yeah. Um, I gotcha. So, I mean, it'd be hard to pull that off without, like, people assuming you're starting a cult, I think. Like, if every <laughs> Sunday the pastor's wearing a tracksuit. Um, but I guess, and I also always, I'm a little bit envious of the the traditions that get to wear robes. Because um, you could literally wear anything underneath them. And, or nothing at all. Or nothing at all. And nobody would be the wiser. Um, so, uh, there's that. Um and then the cowboy thing is only only has an appeal uh, in that sometimes I, I wonder about that. Like you listen, you're listening to like Adrian Rogers preach, like somebody with just a really great voice. And like there have been times where I've considered just trying to fake it, like like just from now on, this is, <laughs> this is my preaching voice. And it's like 10 octaves lower. Uh, so... So you're going to tracksuit over the cowboy voice. I, I think that's the the safer choice, probably. I mean, again, the the cult thing is is tough to to work around, but uh, I think I, well, I I could probably because then the other thing too, like the idea of like a, a preaching uniform, like traditions that don't wear robes, um, that that's something that comes up sometimes too. Cause you don't want to be the, the preacher in sneakers, you know, you don't want to be the guy that's like trying to force the fashion every week. Uh, uh, just go ahead and throw Stephen Furtick under the bus. Right. Don't you? Yeah. No, he's, he's under there. He, he drove it over himself. Um, <laughs> but you, the idea of like, just, you don't, nobody has to wonder. Nobody's like gossiping about your, your outfit. Like yeah, this, he just wears like when Derek Webb at his, as his height, um, you know, was just every concert he wore a pair of jeans and a white t-shirt. Like that was like, you just, you, you never had to guess what he was going to wear. I love now that he wears a black t-shirt instead of a white t-shirt. That, that's, that's a real thing. Um, Hey Derek, <laughs> we liked that better the first time when it was called Rich Mullins. <laughs> yeah, Rich Mullins started that. Anyway, so like that, there's something that appealed to that of like not having to have any passing thought on a Saturday night of what am I going to wear tomorrow. Mm. So, but anyway, say uh, <laughs> <C'est> la vie. <laughs> All right, so we got a uh, we got a full slate of topics to touch on. Mm-hmm today i don't know how much time we'll spend on each one we'll just we'll see where the episode takes us uh how close are we to the gospel coalition think piece on kanye and probably 20 to 25 gospel centered takeaways uh i mean has there not already i've not been checking in but i would (laughs) somewhat assume that there's there's been 30 to 50 written already It's 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 beautiful. It's just a beautiful convergence of pop culture and <sighs> yeah. I, I mean, I love it. Uh, it's 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 always uh, my standard policy. I mean, that there's a ton of people that are skeptical right now, and you know, with, with not without good reason. But uh, 
we try if somebody makes a profession of faith we we go with it you know uh, is is it is it the correct terminology to call this a reverse amy grant possibly we, i mean it's not the we, first time it's happened uh okay but yeah they go on go in the other direction and that because then now the question because we haven't the album hasn't dropped it's been it's been delayed this this pure gospel album um but historically every time a a famous singer has converted to christianity the their christian album has been garbage so <laughs> like does and then there's, there's the question of like does converting to christianity make you a worse musician or like because you have to like be a little bit contrived you know especially if you're not used to writing about jesus i, I don't know are, are we talking the scott stapp christian album i mean scott stapp bob, bob dylan did it famously uh johnny cash had some of those um glenn campbell glenn campbell the end. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they just there's a the, the guy from corn i don't know yeah <laughs> people that and again and like with a sliding scale of how good their music was to start with but <laughs> <laughs> this i feel like the scott stapp one we're gonna have to have a reckoning on that like that's that i've never really sat down and, and devoured the tracks on that but i feel like that's one that's gonna come back that we're, it's just we're just gonna have to spend some time unpacking that one at some point <laughs> um that's something you should do with your therapist i think <laughs> Because this was like during the time he had a like a window between like he was in Creed and Creed broke up, then they got back together, and somewhere in that interim, he like kind of had that episode where he was in the hotel room saying that everybody was out to get him and he was going to kill himself or mm-hmm. something, and it come to find out, yeah, I think he was just on a lot of drugs, but surprise, also, surprise. <laughs> also like right around that time they they like rebranded him as a ccm solo artist Mm -hmm. (laughs) and rushed this album out and then all of a sudden that disappeared and he was back with creed so it's just this little blip of of uh, scott stapp he's a he's a ccm artist now Mm -hmm. i like the way do you remember you remember lifehouse that band oh yes yeah and so the way they did it was was pretty smooth. Like they, because apparently this is all in in retrospect, but they were they started as a youth group worship band. This is okay. I, I could be wrong if any fact checkers are out there, but gotcha. that my understanding is that they were a youth group worship band, and then they made um, that album No Name Face, but made it ambiguously. So all the songs uh. are actually about Jesus. It never says. Because I don't think it ever says like even her. It's always just like you, like I yeah, like I love you. So they're all they come across like love songs, but they're all actually about Jesus. But you can interpret them as about your significant other. Also called pulling a switch foot. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of that's not original. I mean, that's the whole South Park joke is that you just switch out the <laughs> nouns, but. I think the band Chevelle was like that too. I don't know if you're familiar with Chevelle, but oh yeah, I think they started out as a Christian band, and they had like some issue with their label of like it was really ambiguous, and uh, they kind of did the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
sort of transition into becoming a secular band. But it's like the thing I respect about Lifehouse of all of them is that there was no there was no announcement or marketing to it. It was just like we made this album and like take it for what you will, <laughs> like, whatever <laughs> way you want, spin it. Um, and it's like I mean, if Kanye did that, like because I mean that's the whole thing. Like he's making this whole like PR deal about like his conversion and this you know what exactly this album is. But I think if you just did it and like didn't tell anybody <laughs> and like let people decide. I don't know if you remember this, but the, the the like the line of what is CCM and what is secular gets really blurry sometimes because you remember like when MXPX was putting out albums, yeah, and there'd be like no references to God anywhere yeah. on the album, but it'd still be in the Christian bookstore. And I was like, I'm like not offended by this, but also like I'm just curious, like why are we calling this a Christian album? Yeah, well because of tooth and nail, but <laughs> yes, that. They, they were also in the mix when I was trying to draw, <laughs> trying to be hyper spiritual and draw and my illustrate the sermons. This wasn't during your ska phase, was it? I mean, again, it's the lines get blurry. <laughs> I think I think that was a little earlier. Ska was, I mean, for a lot of people, ska is the gateway drug of like <laughs> easy listening into uh, more of a a pop punk kind of a vibe, but. Yeah, it's the gateway drug, Sky. I bet you were. I bet you were on some pretty heavy skillet back then too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Skillet, yeah, was up there. The, the thousand foot crutch, that's probably. Oh, thousand foot crutch. That guy has a very emo voice for CCM. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most emo <laughs> voice of all CCM. Um. Yeah, and so as in my in my youth pastor days, I've I've seen skillet a lot. Um, and it's been, it's been weird cause he was older to start with, but he's, I don't know his exact age. I'm just going to throw out there that maybe he might be 60. Um, that's, Oh, the skiller guy. Yeah. No, he's not that old. He's like, <laughs> he's like 45, uh, hyperbolic. Um, but it, it's just, it's funny, uh, to see, to see people age also. I mean, uh, Jake and I went and saw blink 182 a few weeks ago and, uh, watching Mark Hoppus become like a dad is is a weird thing. Like <laughs> trying to hang on to to being a rocker, and also like you're clearly significantly older than the person who well, wrote just, the songs that everybody loves. Not just a rocker, but a punk rocker. There's yeah. something weird that like punk rock, punk pop rock, like Green Day kind of had to make that switch too. Of, yeah, let's let's sort of move a little bit towards like a more traditional pop rock sound instead of punk because mm-hmm. it's hard to recreate that well like to talk about hating your parents when you're a parent is tough to <laughs> i don't know and that's i think skillet has because they were a christian band they they've walked that line well enough that like their lyrics aren't as angsty <laughs> maybe as uh, i don't know it's in there too the angst is in there how do you write uh, from the perspective of a teenager when you have teenagers i guess i don't know yeah <laughs> one of my favorite skillet lines is back when they were doing like the uh the weird industrial rock with like the weird hair and the the shiny outfits mm-hmm. um the song uh alien youth yeah yeah <laughs> you remember that jam all over it and the the line worldwide jesus <laughs> domination <laughs> Yeah, that was like probably my 
freshman year in high school, I think was <laughs> that was like an anthem for for the youth group. I mean, not just like it was it was something that we all embraced wholeheartedly. Like, yeah, worldwide, we're doing this. You think, you think Jerry Falwell uh, has that like on loop? <laughs> just that line, worldwide Jesus domination. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he's never heard the song. It's just, it was no. pre-existing. He's, <laughs> and I don't think Jesus is in there either. I think it's just worldwide domination. It's playing on a loop. Uh, oh, Jerry. What, what are you up to these days, Jerry Falwell? They, they took away your club excursions. Oh. Now you can't even go to the club. I think he's just gotten better at hiding it now. <laughs> My question is, what what was the play for you at the club, Jerry Falwell? Like, what? I mean, I guess you're there to hear the music, but also, like, what what was going to happen? Like, what's the you know, all these play twenty for year olds were going to? I don't know. Like any of the things he does, none of them, none of them make sense. There's no. I mean, they make sense, but. <laughs> um, it's, he's a he's a confusing man when that when those like. NDAs get, you know, removed, <laughs> and we hear the tell-all books. It's going to be a story for the ages. <laughs> What's going on behind the scenes there? You you might have to reform theology after dark just for like a three-hour. Oh yeah, like one-night event. Make a, you... a documentary <laughs> that we we would do like a. <laughs> I could go fund me and like do a do a very very bad documentary where we're just running around yelling at people. Um. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, can we talk a little bit about heaven for a second? Yeah, man. <laughs> can, can I, can I drop like a truly horrible take? I, uh, I mean, yeah. Honestly, I mean, it says what the show is built around exactly. to some degree is just my horrible takes. Uh, so everyone, everyone sort of believes that heaven is going to be a great experience. My question Don't is: Don't know where they got that idea. <laughs> as an introvert, though, here's my question: Is it? I mean, is it going to be that great as an introvert? Mm. Yeah. So you got to picture Jesus. Picture Jesus giving you the pitch for heaven, mm-hmm. and you're an introvert, and he's saying, "Okay." You know, you're going to get to live forever. Hey, that's pretty cool. Live forever. No more sickness. No more death. Pestilence. Famine. A thing of the past. No more heartbreak. No more tears. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, cool. I'm in. So it's just going to be me and you, right? <laughs> Jesus is like, well, no. Like, like, other Christians will be there. People from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Too many <laughs> to count. Yeah. Uh, so you're thinking like, oh, cool. Okay. So like my my, my dead grandfather, mm-hmm. who's a, who was a believer, he'll get to be there. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus starts naming off what you just did. He's like, no, like from every, you know, every generation, the believers will be there. Mm-hmm. And something, like, oh, like, okay, that sounds kind of hor- horrible. Um, but like, we get to, like, we, we won't, we'll get to move around and kind of just keep to ourselves, right? And Jesus is like, no, actually, like, you're all going to be condensed into one physical <laughs> place. Yeah. That for eternity. <laughs> In in Revelation, it's a weird a weird thing. I mean, not not the only weird thing, but a weird thing about the Book of Revelation is when it gives it gives the dimensions of the the heavenly Jerusalem, 
And it, I mean, if you measure it out, like it's, it's not that big. <laughs> like it's not that big of a physical space. <laughs> and I, I mean, my, I think there's some symbolism there, but at the same time, it is like a lot of people crammed into a little. So what, but, since, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, but what if, so is an aspect of, because this is another, another part of that too. Like, you know, what exactly does it look like to be, you know, fully, sanctified and glorified like so like you know what of our sin nature is removed and i mean i i'm i'm with you i don't think that introversion is is necessarily a bad thing but like in our perfected state will we still be as like awkwardly afraid of people (laughs) well i hope so (laughs) It's, it's my defining characteristic i don't want to be a people person in heaven that sounds horrifying yeah yeah it's true (laughs) <laughs> so you, you you're getting pitched you're, you're going to be locked in mm-hmm. to one physical place with all of the believers of eternity and you have to fellowship mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. i'm just saying it seems like a much better deal for extroverts than introverts that's all i'm saying it's rich it's true um i mean i'm of the opinion that that there will be alcohol in heaven so <laughs> i mean that helps well, if we examine the CCM theology, we know there will be a big, big table with lots and lots of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a big, big yard mm-hmm. where we can play football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not against those things. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, but it would help if there was going to be some alcohol involved. Yeah. And well, and then like while everybody's off playing football, we can like hide under the big table. Right. Yeah. Because when Jesus is pitching this as, you know, believers from every nation. <laughs> I think my comeback or my question is going to be, yeah, but do you, do you know these people? Like, have you, <laughs> some of these people are super annoying. <laughs> have you met them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I get it that you save them through your, your sacrifice on, on Calvary. I'm just, Jesus, I'm just saying like, <laughs> some of these people are not terribly fun. But so that, again, that's the other side of like glorification whatever whatever that looks like like maybe maybe the annoying people get smoothed out a little bit i don't know uh yeah yeah there's that um one of my one of my i think probably my first bad take on twitter which is saying quite a lot like my first genuinely horrible take Mm -hmm. was like back when i had like 30 followers or something I, i did a tweet where essentially it was like, you know, when we get to heaven, I better not hear the thief on the cross talking any kind of shit. Because you know what? You were a Christian for like five seconds before you died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the principle is true. Like, I don't want to get to heaven and hear like, I don't want to hear the thief on the cross waxing poetic about theology. It's like, you you knew nothing. You knew nothing. Jesus was right there. And that's how you became a Christian. Yeah. But he was like, he was the first person in heaven too, though. Right? No. Well, he also represents a very, I don't know. Like, I think like the Church of Christ people might give him shade too mm-hmm. in heaven because he didn't get baptized. No. He represents a, a a very tricky. Yeah, no, I, I love. Uh, I'm, he's my favorite in the Bible because it, it just destroys all those arguments about anything. Like, 
you know, all that matters is, is professing and believing, right? Cause that's all, that's all he did. You don't have to be baptized, not the communion, join a church. I mean, all that stuff. But did he ask Jesus into his heart at an altar call? I mean, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the part. It's like omitted because it was just too obvious. But like it was it was in the text that um, he had to. I mean, like walking down the aisle was tricky, but uh, being nailed to the cross. But he. I mean, do we even know if this guy took the, the new membership class where they confirm oh, that you actually oh. know enough theology to be a Christian? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just questions that need answering. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. So I wonder, like, do you have any memories uh, growing up in church of, like, finding all the good hiding spots? Um, inside the church building? Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of them were outside. Like we had a, uh, our church was not super large. Uh-huh. Um, so like the, the good hiding spots were outside cause we had a kind of a, a, a bigger property mm-hmm. that you could kind of get lost on. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, I see that like, that's a little bit of my, my like first week in heaven is just like scoping out all the, <laughs> <laughs> like if things get a little too claustrophobic, then like <laughs> I'm going to go bounce over here. This utility closet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's got to be, well, I would say prayer closet, but there's no prayer in heaven. Oh, yeah. We just like, hey. <laughs> I, I often wonder too about like the pastors in heaven. Are the pastors going to be okay? And maybe you can answer this because a big part of like a pastor's identity on earth mm-hmm. is is the sermon yeah. is people are looking to me to explain things and there won't be any sermons in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, again, my, my understanding is, is not heaven is not floating around on a cloud playing a harp. Like it is, it is physical resurrection of physical recreation of the earth. Garden of Eden was, was plan a it stayed plan a, you know, so it's actual, physical life and uh and people will still like jobs were existed before the fall like people will still have careers and and that kind of thing uh and i mean different and better right obviously but we'll all be influencers yeah all (laughs) social media uh celebrities um but yeah so i've heard somebody say like with that with that understanding of, of heaven that pastors will be the only people out of jobs um, which is a, an interesting because yeah nobody who's going to come hear me preach when you know Jesus is down there I mean like Paul is going to be there you know if you want to hear like a good <laughs> good reflection on scripture go find the guy that wrote it I just I just feel like there's going to be some pastors who are going to try to keep preaching in heaven mm-hmm. oh yeah and and those guys are going to be super annoying yeah and we have yeah, can you imagine like I mean if all if the if they actually all the TBN guys end up in heaven like how awful that's going to be <laughs> I just I I hope that that God has a sense of humor we we talked about assigned seating earlier in the episode oh. I just I want people to be paired off like in ways that amuse me mm-hmm. I I want um <sighs> 
I, like I want Jerry Falwell to have to room next to Russell Moore, mm-hmm. a room with Russell Moore. Yeah, like is that okay? Like is that cool? Bunk beds. Can, can we get those? Yeah, bunk beds. It's kind of cruel to Russell Moore, but yeah, I mean, I <laughs> ah, he'll be fine. <laughs> I well, I like the. Have you ever heard that Genghis Khan was actually a Christian? Like, I've I've heard that take. I don't know what to make of it, but I've I've heard the take because there was something like his mom was a type of like Eastern Orthodox Christian, and he was raised with that. And some of his motivation for like conquering and pillaging <laughs> was was in the name of of the kingdom of God. Like that's that's in there in the story somewhere. And so, like, if there was even if there was a hint of true faith there, thief on the cross type of faith, that like you put him, like I would put him with Jerry Falwell. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was going. That was the long, long, long story long. Or just like uh, I don't know, like Shane Claiborne has to room with Pat Robertson mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, but again, it's so cruel to the people. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that more cruel to though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, like, there could be some fun, like, buddy cop movies that come out of those, like, those unlikely pairings. Like, in heaven, they actually, like, oh, yeah, we put aside our differences. Because if there is, like, a revelation of all truth, then, you know, like, you know, you know where you were, where you fell short and, like, your unmovable stances. And, like, oh, okay, we can, we can agree to disagree. <laughs> is there a separate wing for serial killers who got saved right before they were executed? Uh, is it, was it Dahmer that did that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That would that that is a fascinating one. I'm yeah. I'm real curious to hear that story. Um I mean like in in heaven not like I know the story now, but mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder cuz in that one too cuz Dahmer it was like he was baptized like a week before he was murdered in prison. Yeah. And so like cuz that's a similar the thief on the cross kind of thing. And so if he's in there like he has no like christian background like he can't he can't talk about youth group hijinks with us it's a whole different (laughs) exactly oh man i the the ted bundy stuff that's been coming out this year like one of the most interesting things is that he was um he was a mormon which makes sense um I don't know. Every like everybody's everybody's faith is interesting to me. Like what what people believed and how it influenced like the decisions they made, especially in that kind of a context. <laughs> yeah, uh, or if you grow up like super repressed, yeah, you uh, you know, you, you wind up having a, a podcast called Fun Sexy Bible Time. Mm-hmm. It all. <laughs> it all. Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say which is a better expression? <laughs> so one of the things we like to do when you're on the show is try to talk about impossible theology questions just things that stump me or or just difficult to kind of wade through Mm -hmm. that's kind of in your in your wheelhouse yeah so one of the things that, that we have been batting around is uh what do you do with a pastor who comes out and says, I'm, I'm not a Christian anymore. A, a pastor who sort of gives up the faith. And specifically, the people who came to Christ under his watch. Mm-hmm. Because that's a really weird one. That, that's a really weird 
conundrum to be in because especially if you're from a reform background if somebody says they're not a christian you kind of have to say well you were never one to begin with Mm -hmm. right yeah like that's that's kind of the easiest play to get around that yeah so now you're saying someone who is not a christian led all these people to the lord Mm -hmm. and that's just that's a that's a weird place what do do you how, how do you work through that yeah, I mean it's it's the hardest for the per, for the convert. I mean, because a lot of times that, like, I've, I've time and time again seen those situations where somebody who whose faith life kind of centered around one central pastor figure, and then that guy either has a massive moral failure or walks away from the faith, and then what does it do to your faith? Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it's 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 a hard. I was actually had a. A counseling session yesterday about a similar situation, but um, I'm trying to trying to take a, a lighthearted <laughs> spin on this. <laughs> forgot forgot where I was for a minute. Uh, <laughs> Had to take a look at your mug to remember which podcast you're on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's a we, we don't like so people that too. Like you, if you were baptized, um, you know, in whatever situation, like. Your baptism still counts like that's that's the counsel i would give even if the person wasn't a believer um because it, it's your it's it's your faith it's the faith the holy spirit has generated inside of you that that made the the baptism and the the salvation efficacious um but so so there's that like your your salvation is no less real just because you because the guy was lying to you or was mis, misled to start with um but there's the internal, the personal struggle in like, well, do I, you know, do I really believe it always like inevitably causes those doubts. Like if I believed him and he was lying to me, then what else have I believed that was a lie and causes you to question everything. I, and I've been through that. Like it, it's a, it's a hard thing. And you ultimately got to come back to like, well, no, like the Bible is true. God is real. Jesus really did live and die for me. That's my only hope for salvation. Like the good things, right? You know, um, those are the things we stand on, not any, any person. And even like the apostle Paul was far from perfect, but, uh, again, I'm not, I'm struggling to get a, a lighthearted take. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. It, it's, it feels like that shouldn't be possible. I know we, we've kind of touched on this on previous episodes, but just the concept of if someone, okay, just we're, we're going with the reformed way of thought for a second. Here. Yeah. If someone was never a Christian to begin with, mm-hmm. was just going with that, that feels like that shouldn't be spiritually possible for them to lead someone to the Lord. Uh, like where does, where does that, where does that come from? Like, because that's not technically scriptural, but it's just one of those things that seems so counterintuitive that it that it almost has to be mm-hmm. wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean again because from the reform perspective, no nobody leads anybody to the Lord. The Holy Spirit, the Lord leads people to Himself, draws people in. So it's not. Yeah. So there's. I mean, that's that's the I guess loophole there. Um, and then I think like because it comes back to the parables of the soils, the parable of the soils or the sower, depending on how you want to title that, where the sower is going out and throwing seeds and the different types of soils represent the different types of human hearts. The seed is the gospel. Um, and then we have those pictures of some of the seeds like sprouting up quickly and 
and seeming appearing to be healthy and growing, but they there's no roots there and they they die. Um, and and so exactly what that means for salvation, I don't I don't know that they like again. The reformed perspective is that they never had it to begin with, but there's something that appears like faith, the gospel. They've heard the gospel and it's impacted their thought process in some way that they, for for a season of time, it appears as if it's it's true. And I've, you know, you hear, you hear non-Christians able to articulate and understand the gospel. Um, and you, I mean, we have the age old, the the grifters, the charlatans, the people that know the right words to say and don't really mean it, but that doesn't mean that God can't use that. I don't know. <laughs> like, because I mean, no, no, that's, no, that's no, the, the best thing about the Reformed perspective is just God's sovereignty. Like, you, God's in control of all of it, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's also the easiest answer yeah. when you don't understand what to say. <laughs> Boom. God is sovereign. <laughs> Figure it out. Deal with that. There's something I really struggle with with the reform position on, on things like that because if Josh Harris were to come back tomorrow and be like, I've re refocused myself, I'm 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 going to do it right this time. I'm I'm, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the then like you got to turn all the way back around, yeah, and and confront it again of like, okay, was he a Christian the whole time? Was this just like a, a season of doubt? You know, I'm, well, and that's the the Bible gives us that beautiful third way because we tend to look black and white like people are either saved or they're not saved right but the bible mm-hmm. uses a third category of apostasy that people who are true believers can can walk away can you know like i you and i both have the option right now to like blow up our marriages and leave our families and our churches and go and live in sin that doesn't mean that we're not saved um it doesn't mean that we won't come back around it just means that we've made a horrible decision at the moment right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so like if true faith is there true faith is there and you know like and that's the thing i always like reassure parents of wayward teenagers with is i mean nobody's story is over until it's over like we don't we don't know yeah. what the next 40 years of josh harris's life is going to look like mm-hmm. um yeah but we'll we will see. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited about all of it. Like it's, that's, I think the funnest part of all of it is, is like, what's going to happen with, you know, what, what a twist if Josh Harris ends up being like the antichrist and, and Kanye turns out to be. It'll be uh, Kanye and Justin Bieber bringing him back to the Lord. Yeah. I'm done. How, how cool is that? Like, Is it 